0: Welcome into a brand new pre-draft edition of the Crotus' podcast. I'm on your host, Kevin Misery here with Ryan Thomas, uh, going through some of the best draft notes and nuggets of the day, as well as a week, um, and really going to break down what's changed for us here in the NFL draft for the Buffalo Bill and the Buffalo Bill's perspective. We'll also be getting into what positions we like, what we want to see happen. We'll actually be here live on Friday um, to kind of break down Thursday. Um, draft events, as well as maybe mock exactly who we think will go where, um, and as well as talk about prospects still on the board and where the bills should be targeting, trades up, trade back, et cetera. And then here at the end of the show, we'll uh, we'll break down a little bit of my thoughts on the PSC story that broke um, from the athletic uh, about some of the stuff going on there and kind of the perception and, and, and what's happening across um, I guess the sports landscape, but, but specifically here in Buffalo. So we're going to start right here at the top, Ryan, how you doing today?
1: Doing good, Kevin. How are you? Always a pleasure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. As, as always, the show is brought to you by train wreck sports uh, and Picasso's pizza. Get out there and try your best local Buffalo pizza and Picasso's now shipping. I saw. Um, so if you don't live in Buffalo, I believe you can still get Picasso's pizza. Uh, so get out there and give them a try with some, one of their great locations, uh so Ryan um what's changed for you man so it's been a couple of weeks since we talked last on the pod about i think we broke down running backs there in a segment on, and then the show prior we did a lot of the other positions has anything changed for you in the last couple of weeks or is there anything specifically um that's jumped out to you about the draft any position groups that are more intriguing anything that's caught your eye over the last couple of weeks
1: well over the last few weeks I, i've i've obviously tuned into a lot of uh mock drafts and and looked into Um, other analysts mock drafts and and compiled my own and kind of just deciding offense or defense at the 54th overall pick. It it seems to be a a hot topic of discussion uh, and a lot of mock drafts lately. I've seen Kyle Duggar, a safety mocked to the Buffalo Bills at, at 54. Now I don't necessarily dislike the player or anything like that, but me personally, I would prefer, the Buffalo Bills to go on the offensive side of the ball, whether that's a wide receiver, lineman, um, offensive lineman, and even if they were to go on the defensive side of the ball, I would even say a defensive lineman, a pass rusher, would be my uh, my better fit, I guess you could say, for that fifty-fourth overall pick. I've noticed a lot of mock drafts with the Bills going safety, I've seen some mock drafts with the Bills going corner, and me personally, I, I would really love to see another wide receiver. I'm really a champion for the Chase Claypools of the world. I don't know if it's just the, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish fanboy in me since I was, since I was six or seven years old i have been an Irish fan but it, not even just my fandom of the Irish but just what Chase Claypool could bring from a weapon perspective for Josh Allen a big six foot four 230 pound target for, for the bills to put in their offense It would really put the cherry on the Sunday. As far as offensive weapons, if they were not to go get that running back that we talked about on uh, the last episode.
0: For sure. And um, I think there's been some, what's interesting is there's been some depth added at the offensive line position. Um, you know, they've, they've brought in a few interior offensive linemen, depending on where you think Darrell Williams will play. Ivan Barome, under guy from Miami, is brought into the mix as well. Uh, pretty deep unit. I don't think offensive line is in the picture, at least early on. Always. You know, come right. day three, I think they could add a, even a quarterback. I mean, it doesn't. I, I don't. Whatever top of their board come fourth, fifth round, I do believe um they will go that route. But I do think there's some credence that they can shore up some final needs in day two. They really have two picks that could come in and at least play somewhat. Um, so that leaves me to kind of break down where's the biggest need, Ryan. And obviously, you spoke on this show about running back too. I still think that that's the biggest need. I don't think you can say because Singletary's on the roster that. Um, there's no need for a running back. I think that's silly. The Bills had Brown and Beasley at the receiver position, and that was their glaring most needed move, hence them trading a first-round pick for Stephon Diggs. So just because there's talent on the roster, you're one even small-term injury away from not having anybody. Uh, TJ Yeldon, a guy they, they didn't think was, was a good enough runner inside the numbers to 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 deactivate Frank Gore. Um, that's what the bills say. I do think that it was more about the locker room and not being able to inactivate Frank Gore. It wouldn't have been a great move for them. So I think there was a little bit more to that than just who was the better inside runner. Uh, I think Yeldon was the better player toward the latter end of the season, toward the, the end of Frank Gore's potential career. Um, that I don't think he was anything better than a PJ Yeldon. But the running back two's position is still a big glaring hole. I don't see anything wrong with having two day two picks on the roster. Um, with that, that potential salary. We've, we got into that a lot on the last show, Ryan. But I think the thing that bothers me the most, and we're going to start here, is the safety position. Now, you got into it a little bit just now. Um, it's a little bit less about the player, a little bit more about, A, are you really trying to, to replicate Shaq Thompson, a guy that um, that they they drafted in Carolina in the first round? Um, so I, I, I think that they're trying to potentially, if, if they're going to go this route, to mimic that style of player who's a unique player, a 30 picks later than that player went and B with a player that's coming out of FCS or a player that's coming out of division two. Now that's not to say that either of those systems can't produce players. I just don't know that the odds are in the favor of, of that potentially becoming true 30 picks later than the player that you, that needed some work transitioning to linebacker ended up developing in. So, do you, so, the Bills, let's, let's talk about the roster first. The Bills have EJ Gaines. They have Karen Johnson, a guy that fits the nickel role perfectly, a guy McDermott really likes. They also have Josh Norman, who can pop inside um, if they're going to play Levi Wallace on the outside. They also have AJ Klein, a guy they have a lot of money, not just backup money. They have a lot of money for him to take over a lot of Lorenzo Alexander's responsibility, um, as well as uh, Matakavich, a guy they brought in as middle linebacker to be a backup special, to be a backup and pivotal special teamer. So my question is, Ryan, do you spend the fifty-fourth overall pick to throw that into the mix um, of all those names? This is for one spot, by the way. Those guys, mostly, mostly, depending on the Norman Wallace situation, mostly are playing for one spot um, in the in the entire ride. So that's five guys. Um, that are, and, and you can throw in Siren Neal into the, the picture, too, um, who's got a less of a chance right. at this thing. Um, that You're going to throw in another name into that mix? What happens when they don't beat out Taron Johnson and E.J. Gaines? They just go – you just use 54 on a special team. Or when you already signed a bunch of special teams names in Taiwan Jones, Matikiewicz, A.J. Klein, a lot of names that will play on, on, on the special teams, Dean Marlowe, um, that will play special teams anyway. So what's, what's your take on that? Like I, I understand that this position is unique, this big nickel you think that player is going to come in and beat all those, those aforementioned names?
1: It, it, it would be pretty tough. It would be an uphill battle. And I think most people that have mocked Kyle Duggar at 54 to Buffalo really just love the thought process of how he would fit under Sean McDermott's defense. And, and that is exciting. As you mentioned, Shaq Thompson, a player that is kind of a Swiss Army knife and how he was used uh, very exotically within that defense in Carolina, would Duggar fit that role I wouldn't want to use a 54th pick on somewhat of an experiment player. And we mentioned Kyle Duggar played at the D2 level and was really a man amongst boys at that level. And now he's moving up into a steep level of competition where the physical advantages that he had in college, I don't know if they'll still quite be there as much as they were in his collegiate days. So I just feel with the offseason that they have had, Let's continue what we've somewhat started. We've we started bringing in a big name in Stephon Diggs, bringing in another, you know, quality player in a Chase Claypool or one of the rookie running backs, I think would kind of be the, the last check mark on the offense Then they could really, you know, spread things out from that point on if they wanted to go defense the, the you know, the next few picks or, or really just take your pick at whatever player is on their board, as you mentioned. That would be, you know, something that they could do. Um, but what really has changed things for me outside of the 54th overall pick and what they could do is the fact that Leonard Fournette is on the trade block with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, it took me a day or two to kind of process that and really form my own take on whether or not I feel like Buffalo should pull the trigger on that. And it's kind of funny because in previous shows we've talked about how the Bills need a Leonard Fournette-type running back. Little did we know that the Jacksonville Jaguars would put him out there on the trade block to be shopped come draft weekend. I personally would love it if Buffalo were to check off that box via trade and and bring in a Leonard Fournette. The the cost is really what would be the the price of the cost would be the biggest question mark as far as what it would cost to get a player like that. But if it was a a mid to late round pick and they were able to bring in a Leonard Fournette that would check off one box that they don't have to use a draft pick on. And the whole thought process of bringing in a Stefan Diggs was that, Hey, this player will come in established you know nfl superstar and really make this roster better whereas i think leonard fournette would be under the same token so if you're willing to trade a first round pick for stefan diggs under the whole uh principle that he is a a, a immediate impact you know proven nfl player why would you not be willing to to invest that mid-round pick in leonard fournette and I feel defensively, they're pretty solid. They've made a lot of additions on the defensive side of the ball. I feel like the best defensive addition that they made uh, was A.J. Klein, and I feel like that that addition is not getting the love that it that it deserves. You put on the tape of A.J. Klein, he is a true warrior out there on that field, and I look forward to seeing how he fits within Sean McDermott's defense, as well as the guys that they have already known, you know, the Josh Normans and the Mario Addisons of the world and stuff like that. But I really look forward to seeing uh, that defense with who they've added. And I feel like at 54th overall, you continue to add to the offense and bring in weapons for Josh Allen, uh, whether it's a receiver or a running back, possibly kick the tires on trading for a Leonard Fournette. I don't see – I definitely see that being something that they should do.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I'm pretty much, so we'll start, I guess Fournette's a good topic. We haven't been able to discuss Fournette on the show yet. Um, so I think it's a good, good time to do so. I'm obviously all in favor of adding really premium talent to the roster, even on a one-year rental, um, right. on a one-year really reasonable $4 million deal. Uh, I think he would pay that. I, I do think there was some credence to the bills being interested in Gordon. There's been a little bit of back and forth on how interested and how much money they were willing to give, um, Josh Gordon, or, um, excuse me, Melvin Gordon before he, uh, went to, um, Denver, right? Didn't, yep, isn't, that Denver, he, yep. isn't that where he yep, uh, yeah. ended up?
1: Yeah. Two year um, deal with Denver and, and it was, it was around nine per, tw- right? Yeah. Nine per. Yeah. So okay. he, he got paid. Yeah. He got paid. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, that's a really good point, too. They were very interested in in Melvin Gordon. And I think another good point, too, is people are wondering how TJ Yeldon kind of fits into things. And if we do, we do know one thing about TJ Yeldon. He could really feed off of playing with Leonard Fournette. They had a a good one-two punch. You wouldn't need TJ Yeldon to be that number two because you got Devin Singletary. But I like the thought of Leonard Fournette kind of reuniting with TJ Yeldon again and sharing the same backfield. the opportunity for Leonard Fournette um, in this offense with the offensive line much improved uh, over the last couple of years, I just think that it would be a great addition. And, you know, as you mentioned, it would be more of a one year rental because this fifth year option is around eight, eight and a half million. So that's, that's a high price uh, for, for a fifth year option. I don't know if Buffalo picked that up, but they could get a compensation pick if they do decide to, to not pick up that option. So, the one-year rental they let him go they get a pick back they decide to keep him great you know I, I think um, that would be best case scenario is that he is so productive that they that they don't want to let him walk out the front door so um it, it would just be a very another solid move for this offense that you know the Bills organization is at that point where they can just go for broke and, and try to take this AFC's title.
0: Yeah definitely I think that the pick wouldn't be too crippling and say he had a terrible you know offseason and he wasn't great in camp there's another thing to be said that how far along without any otas potentially cut and then cutting into even even into training camp are they going to have a typical normal training camp in august i don't know is it going to be late august early september that's about when people are expecting sports to really start up with groups like there's going to be the potential of hockey and in baseball, starting up in July, from what we've been reading so far, but really sports are going to start up late August, middle August, late early September. I don't know what's going to happen. So, so sure, yes. When you're when you're when you're going to use a second round pick, potentially that player should be able to get up to speed. Fifth and sixth rounders, it might be developmental guys. Guys, you're taking flyers on. Are are you going to be more willing to trade for a Leonard Fournette with that day three pick? I do think you should be. Um, I don't believe there's much risk involved. Um, you know, there's no dead cap space. If you cut them, you get your cap money back. You can roll that over. Uh, I, I just, I don't, uh, you're risking the day three pick. Uh, it's not enough of a risk that should stop you from really adding a, a really prime running back too. As well as, I'm not 100% sure, Ryan, that it prevents you from doing anything else. If you wanted to add a running back in the third or fourth round as well, why not? Right. Especially if we're not a one-year right. guy. Um, right. And then you add it into the compensation the formula. Contract,
1: right. And the rookie contract, you, you can't deny it. You know, the, right. the opportunity for them to get a, even a, you know, like I said, Chase Claypool in the second round, his rookie contract will be really helpful for Buffalo beyond the John Brown and, and Cole Beasley contract. Um, you know, you look at that position and, and look at the numbers of that and, and say to yourself, well, oh, wow, that would really be helpful. And then if they still wanted to go with a, with a running back in the middle of the draft, Depending on what they trade away for Fournette if they make that trade they could still do that and that's kind of what I like about Brandon Bean he he leaves no stone unturned among the many things that I like about Brandon Bean there's no stone left unturned they I'm sure we will hear within the next few days I would hope that we'll hear within the next few days that they inquired about Leonard Fournette I I feel like that is the type of running back that they have needed and little did we know as I mentioned that Leonard Fournette would actually be the running back on the trade block so if you were to tell me a couple years ago that the fourth overall pick out of LSU Leonard Fournette would be available be a trade, I, I would have said you were crazy. Um, this guy's been productive every, at every which turn he's had, you know, little bumps and bruises, but with a running back that runs with the style that he, that he runs with, I, I would be shocked if he stayed healthy. You know, it's just, he's just that much of a violent runner that he loves to uh, loves to run people over. So I would, I would love it. I would embrace him as a, as a new Bill. And there's a lot of Bills fans out there that'll listen to this and say, "Yeah, but he got into that fight with Shaq Lawson." Well, one, Shaq Lawson's not on the team anymore. He's in Miami. Uh, two, the fact that a running back wanted to go toe to toe with a defensive end, uh, for the lack of a better term, I would say that's pretty badass. You know, that that shows that the guy has a little bit of a, little bit of a, uh, a mean streak to him, and I like that.
0: Yeah. Um, I think that it's worthy to to go ahead and do. But, I mean, I guess kind of transitioning to uh, some more potential needs. I mean, what about you have another potential tight end on the board now that the Rob Gronkowski news broke. And we all talked and seen about the the Rob Gronkowski news. There's really no reason to go into that ad nauseum. Um, So going for a fourth-round pick over to Tampa. Um, the, the ripple effect though is what I'm more interested in, and that's you know, OJ Howard. you see him being had in this range of a weapon for for Josh Allen where I think tight end two is a sneaky need for the Bills? I mean, I think that they mm-hmm. have a couple of guys there that can play. I'm not a big Lee Smith fan. I I like the potential of Tommy Sweeney. Um, Tyler Croft had a rough, rough year. I don't think you can just say he's for sure a tight end two on this roster. Um, I think it could be a sneaky need. What is your opinion on, on the, along the same lines of Fournette? I mean, what kind of pick are you giving up and does he help this team?
1: Right. And that was actually something that when I first heard the news of Rob Gronkowski heading to Tampa Bay, I thought, what the heck's going to happen with either O.J. Howard or Cameron Bray? And I remember a few years ago, mm-hmm. I, I really wanted Buffalo to kick the tires on O.J. Howard. He was an extremely productive, physical, tight end, very athletic tight end at Bama and um, he hasn't even scratched the surface of his potential yet. I, I, I don't even think he's an, he's a name that is thrown out now due to the fact that Rob Gronkowski is in Tampa Bay, but you know, no one has really been talking about OJ Howard since he was drafted in the NFL for, for you know, the reasons of not being too productive. And I don't necessarily think that that's his fault. Um, you, you look at the quarterback situation there prior to Brady and James Winston was erratic to say the least. So, you know, maybe a fresh start for O.J. Howard would would be best served for him. That would definitely help um, as far as him coming to Buffalo. I think that that would be another move that would fall in line with a Fournette or, or a Diggs to add to this offense and say to yourself, are we willing to part ways with a mid to late round pick for a guy that's established? I don't see why you wouldn't kind of already started that process anyway for trading for Stephon Diggs. You trade that first for Diggs, but you won't trade a fifth for Howard or or a fourth for Fournette. That that would be a little bit of a hard sell to me, at least, uh, if they didn't make that move. But I do think the Bills coaching staff is pretty um, comfortable going forward with Tyler Croft, with Tommy Sweeney, and with Dawson Knox, most importantly. I feel like Dawson Knox could be a, a, a budding star in the league if developed the right way. Um, We saw flashes of it. His his tenacity, the tight end position, the way he can throw people off of himself was pretty amazing, especially on that sideline grab there midseason. He just threw that guy right off of him. It was pretty awesome. But Tyler Croft, he had a real rough year. And it's really tough for me to kind of close the book on that after one season. Um, He had that clutch touchdown against Pittsburgh where he was wide open on the sideline Josh Allen found him and that's essentially the touchdown that put Buffalo in the playoffs and clinched that playoff berth last year so um you know I I think that it's a move that they should definitely consider I don't see how it would hurt but if they didn't make the move I I wouldn't be shocked either it's one of those moves hey if they make it great if they don't let's see what Croft Sweeney and Knox brings the table in year two
0: Absolutely. Um, also, by really quick to wrap up, Fournette he with the Bills are the most likely per per Vegas sportsbooks plus three hundred. Um, yeah, good odds. Yeah. They don't just there make those odds out. up usually. That's agents and or um, some type of of the player themselves. I mean, you don't really know. I don't know how that works specifically, but um, I learned the hard way when it comes to pre trades and drafts and when with these 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 prop bets. It's they get the knowledge from somewhere, just like you're betting on a TV show for Game of Thrones, for instance, to who's going to win the throne. It's because they knew, right? right? So in, right, in, right. In, in this case, there's something to the fact that there's been a couple teams that have probably called. You don't just give the bills the best betting odds um, without knowing that for sure um, that they're in, in the mix. So I wouldn't be shocked if they've already made calls and, and are basically saying, Hey, if the guy we don't like is there on day two, uh, we're going to go ahead and give you that day three pick uh, to start Saturday. So, we're going to go ahead and see, or, or, or in the bill's case, they use all their picks in trade a 2021. So, right. um, you know, That's if, what I would
1: prefer out of, out of anything. Pick <laughs> they use their picks. Pick. Yeah. They don't have right. a four,
0: so it'd be a five. Right. So it'd be a five. Right. Um, they use
1: their picks in 2020 and, and trade a pick in 2021 and get a pick back in 2021 when they, if they decide to let Fournette go, you know, it would really, it would, I just see it as, as such a, opportunistic move for the Bills, much like the Stephon Diggs trade. It's not every day that a Stephon Diggs is eligible to be traded or, or a Leonard Fournette. I mean, the, these are name players. Now you're at that point where you've had the Josh Allens, you've had the Chman Edmonds, you drafted all those guys, Trey White, Devin Singletary. You have a lot of youth on this team. Now you got to pair it with some names and, and get the attention of the league so that other players can come here that are established as well. And I think Leonard Fournette would be a, a big, big move for them.
0: Yeah, and we've talked a little bit, uh, you know, recently a lot about running back. So transition to other weapons. You know, we've touched on tight end, mm-hmm. but um, nothing really to note at that position. Like you said, maybe if an OJ Howard comes available, you make that move. I don't know how much they're scouring the draft market, but receivers an interesting one. I don't know that they're set at receiver. I know that they're set at the top three. I know that those guys are aging and on bigger contracts. Um, at some point, one injury puts you back to the same situation you were in last year. I think that the team is very interested in bringing in a receiver four. Um, there's the news that the most interested in Antonio Gandy-Golden what is the Bills, um, a potential third, fourth, fifth-round pick. Um, big 6'4 receiver out of Liberty, absolutely balled out three straight 1,000-yard seasons, 10 touchdowns pretty much per Went for 200 yards on a really good UB defense this year. I watched that game. Um, got to watch Gandy Golden in person. At that point, I said that guy could be a first round pick. Obviously, didn't run the speed you're looking for out of a tall, rangy receiver. But six four, two twenty, you're starting to get into move tight end um, range, Evan Ingram's of the world. Um, right. I, I think it could fill both needs of that kind of big, rangy, boxy red zone target, and, and still a good receiver if if you need to. So. Maybe we're talking about a combined position like that. If you know, we're talking about that on the safety front. Why can't we talk about that on the offensive line, or excuse me, the offensive side of the ball? So he's sure. a name to watch out for. Um, I think that that's uh, you mentioned Chase Claypool, but I think there's 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 still a lot of names and Gandy Golden's one. Oh, sure, um, yeah.
1: Claypool is is more you know listed you know in in mocks. Kind of va- it varies. You no, know, he's, he's, they listed as, as, yeah, they're, they're all, they're all varied. But I mean, in terms of two players that are really comparable, Chase Claypool might end up going higher just based on where he played in college, the, the prestige that Notre Dame um, still has, not as much as what they once had, but they still have that, that shine. Whereas a player like Antonio Gandy Golden might just get lost in the clouds just because he played at Liberty. And I I feel like that is kind of null and void nowadays. And you know, we've seen guys that have come into the NFL that have played at small schools and have been productive. Carson Wentz is, a, is one that comes to mind. Um, but Antonio Gandy-Golden, there was a catch that he made against Baylor. He was one-on-one with a corner at Baylor. And, and this guy had, <laughs> he had zero shot at, right. at, at competing for the one-on-one ball. I mean, this dude one-on-one, is phenomenal. And uh, I I would just love any, any addition that could kind of round out this offense. And as you said, with an injury to a Cole Beasley or a John Brown, they're really, or God forbid, it's fun Diggs, They're really just right back at square one. And if they suffered two injuries at that position, then they'd really be hurting and they've needed depth at this receiver position for, for a few years now. I do like some of the back-end receivers that they have. I feel like I'm not ready to give up on Robert Foster just yet, but I also want to head into this season with the mindset that competition breeds success, and let's bring in the best players at every position that we possibly can and find out which ones are better.
0: Yeah, and to couple that, I mean, I think that they're – you can say the Bills won't have a shot at Jerry Judy, you know, Henry Ruggs, and uh, C.D. Lamb. I think those are pretty much three top 15 picks. From there, you don't really know what's going to happen. I mean, Justin Jefferson, Brandon Naya from Arizona State, um, they're right there as well. And then you have the, you know, Chanose, if he's healthy, you know, T Higgins, um, you know, KJ Hamlers. But I think, like, if you really look at it, the, there's a lot of 6'2 plus receivers that still don't have anyone over six foot. Um, I mean, right. so you're talking about, you know, LaVisca Chanose, the T Higgins, um, you know, you're talking about Colin Johnson from Texas. You have some names here, and you know Michael Pittman, a guy that played really well in college. Uh, you have Brian Edwards from South Carolina. I mean, you have John Hightower from Boise State, Donovan People Jones. I mean, you have you know Denzel Mims, you know Van Jefferson. Guy, these guys are all six to, you know two hundred plus. These are these are guys that you don't necessarily have on the roster, I and mean, that's not even talking about obviously the Gandy Golden and then Claypool, who we've already talked about. So, um, right. And Tyler Johnson's another name that everyone seems to like. So these are all tall. These aren't even the the, the other receivers. Um, so there's there's some names here, Ryan. And I think that the Bills, with all those names, they need to do their best to come out with one of them that can play receiver four on this team. And bearing an injury is immediate elevated. They're on a good rookie deal like we've already talked about. They're a really, in a really good position to be potentially a takeover for Brown or Beasley. Um, I think it's a really good year to do that, and I would be shocked if the Bills came out of this without a receiver um, prior to round five. I would be shocked if they don't take one or take one round seven. I really think they want to get into the dip in their, their feet into the, the weapon pool, we'll call it, the weapon pool. Sure, um, yeah. So I think it's the biggest thing. I think the team can never put enough talent around Josh Allen. I think their defense is just as good as it was. They've added a lot of key names. Um, they added two defensive tackles. I only lost one. Um, they swapped out Lawson for Addison. Um, you know, they went, you know, Lorenzo declined, um, you know, they added right. Norman with no replacement because they already have Wallace on the roster and it gains, um, they, I mean, Kevin
1: Johnson goes out and Josh Norman comes in, you know, Johnson was only in a one year deal, but right. that, that was just the first guy that came to my mind of someone that they lost, but then they replaced him, you know? And then, and then, like you said, like one guy comes in, comes out, another guy comes in, but I mean, this receiver position for the last few years has has really been one that has hurt Buffalo, nice. um, just in terms of the investments that they made in Sammy Watkins trading, you know, essentially two first-round picks in order to in order to get him to swap, and as well as the the next year's pick, and that didn't work out. Zay Jones, that pick really burned them in the second round. They picked Zay Jones ahead of Juju Smith Schuster, and you know, this is one of those drafts where there's a lot of talented guys at the receiver position all of them you know that you named above you know six foot one six foot two I remember the days when they went out and drafted Roscoe Parrish and right for those fans at home I'm like Roscoe Parrish at that time was only a couple inches taller than me and I was I wasn't that old <laughs> so right he was a small guy you know and and this is a a, a NFL now where these receivers that are successful are, are the big ones. You know, we're talking about Tom Brady and Tampa Bay, like Mike Evans is a monster. Um, you know, guys with this, with this vertical ability and, and size um, for, for a quarterback that has the arm that Josh Allen has, even on throws that he's overthrown or even on throws that are one-on-one where he's just putting the ball up. I, I really feel like some length, some athletic length at this position, athletic size. And for all the, you know, Duke Williams supporters out there, I feel like he gets brought up into this discussion as well anytime I, I talk about this. Um, Duke Williams is a great story and everything, but in terms of athleticism, there is a lot of athletic six foot four, six foot three, six foot two receivers in this draft that you just can't, you, you just can't turn a blind eye to for Duke Williams.
0: Right. I agree. I like, I'm a big Duke Williams stand. I do think that if he play a little bit better in the playoff game, the team wins. Um, but right. I, 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 I do think they want to bring in competition for the big receiver position, and I do think that they'll be able to do so. Um, and if they both play good, I don't think there's anything that makes Robert Foster make this team. Um, if, if they draft someone and Duke Williams is the last man on the roster, um, I think that, that you could see that as well as you know Isaiah McKenzie's here too. Once again, they really didn't lose anyone offensively at all. Uh, Frank Gore, uh, I guess, is still in the lead, but um, they really didn't lose anybody offensively. Their offensive line's the same. They added a couple veterans there um, to even be more competitive. They added in Stephon Diggs, but the receiving core is the same. The, the crux of the running back room's the same. Quarterback room's the same. Tight end room's the same um there's really not you're only adding to it so to be able to add another receiver into the mix and another running back are two huge positions to help this team win football games I don't believe a big nickel wins them a single football game last year I'm going on record saying that I don't believe subbing out Taron Johnson and or Lorenzo Alexander and or whatever they are in um, nickel personnel 70% of the time. Okay. So that means you're taking out your nickel back. You're taking out Taryn Johnson. So the upgrade from Taryn Johnson to Kyle Duggar isn't there for me. I know that the athletic and other mm-hmm. Bills reporters think for some reason that if the Bills have a big nickel, they can do things that they weren't able to do last year. Brian, what game do they win that's the a big nickel last year? Do you have one? Do you have one I offhand? Don't. I yeah. don't,
1: and, and I think that it's more so that, uh, and, and not throwing shade at anybody, and I, and I want to preface my statement by saying that, um, but these mock drafts are built to get a reaction, whether it's positive or negative. When I put on a mock draft, I want it to kind of have a flow to it, to kind of have people look at it and say, well, I could see them taking this guy for this reason. I could see them taking that guy for that reason. I could see, oh, I like this guy. Um, out of Syracuse, the pass rusher from Syracuse. I put him in my most recent mock draft in the fourth round. Um, Alton I can't think of his name off the top. Of my, Alton Robinson, yes. Um, you know, things like that. But when you put a player that is a small school guy that was physically imposing based on the competition that he played in being not physically imposing, and you put that player in the NFL with fellow players that are physically imposing, I don't see how he will uh, translate as quickly as people think he should or as quickly as a second-round pick 54th overall should. And especially if we are sitting at home tomorrow, Friday. No, we sit at home all night tomorrow, watch the first round. We're waiting for the Buffalo Bills to make their pick. And 54th overall, they take a safety when they have, probably for my money, one of the top three safety tandems in the AFC. And I know it's about how you can move Kyle Duggar and how you can change him around and and things like that. But I I just don't see how that flows with the off season that they've had and everything that they've done has had a flow to it. Out goes one guy in goes another guy. Let's get that wide receiver. One that we've coveted. They were talking about trading for Stefan Diggs in the organization for, you know, half a year uh, leading up to them actually making that trade. So, You know, might have been even more than that. So the fact that they were able to pull the trigger on that and make that move, I feel like, you know, you can kind of add on to that. And adding on to that on the offensive side of the ball in this draft would be most successful, in my opinion.
0: And I just read an article from the Athletics, Joe Vescalia, that said that the Bills would potentially, he says, not that the team is, that he would trade up for one of those safeties. And I'm thinking in my head, like, so not only are we not taking that guy at 54, now we're trading out um, of their assets. I mean, come on. Like, I know we're reaching here, and I, I, I think, like, truly, there, there is a reaction. It's less, like, nationally, and like, in a couple guys that are making mock drafts sometimes want reactions. But I think in this case, right. like, they actually think that, like, for some reason that the big nickel is, like, a big need. They, they, the Bills have tried it. They've tried it with Dean Marlowe, with Raphael Bush, with Siren Neal. Um, it's never, obviously those are a little bit lesser names and the talents of, of okay. Duggar um Chin potentially. Um, but it's been nothing they've wanted to stick with and, and through three years, it's been nothing that they felt really needed. So the, the fourth year is when you decide that the big nickel is necessary for your position groupings. Um, no, I, I just, yeah, I, don't I don't buy right. it. I don't buy it. I don't buy it.
1: After four after four years, you say to yourself this is the yeah, Need a big direction that we're gonna yeah. This is the direction we're gonna. I just don't see it. And and honestly, it, more than anything, regardless of player A or B going to Buffalo at fifty-four, the Bills can't miss on this pick, and they can't afford for the fifty-fourth overall pick or higher if they were to- trade up to be a to be an experiment. I mean, you you waste – it's kind of like that line in, in Trouble with the Curve, Clint Eastwood movie, nobody has seen it, throwing this out there. You'd waste a, a second or first-round pick on a project or a gadget defensive player or a gadget. It just – I don't see it. Um, I tried to mock him in a draft just to do it, just to just to put him in a mock draft, just to show everybody, hey, if they take this guy at 54, this is what they'll end up with the rest of the draft and it wasn't as impressive as it was uh in comparison to the other mock draft they did where I had them taking Chase Claypool um there was another mock draft they had them taking T Higgins at 54 if he lasts that long um you know so th- th- there's a lot of different you know takes out there and, and it's not that you know I want to you know bash anyone's take on why they believe Cal Duggar would be a great pick but it's more that I just want to see this off-season. On the offensive side of the ball, be fully completed. I want to have no stones left unturned on the offense because, at the end of the day, their defense is why they made the playoffs, their offense was why they lost that playoff game.
0: Exactly. And if you look at, you know, I have, so I use SIS, uh, Football Rookie Handbook. Um, they're really smart scouts or ex scouts. So you know what they're looking for, they know how to write scouting reports. And I got a hold of their 2020 Rookie Handbook and I've been reading it ad nauseum. Um, as I tweeted like a week ago. And one thing that's really notable to me is Jeremy Chin's the 10th-ranked safety behind the likes of Ashton Davis, Gavon Wallace, Aloha Gilman, uh, Jordan Fuller. Um, and then you have Jeremy Chin. Um, that, that means that the player, per scouting report, prior to combine and prior to um, any um, postseason bowl games like you know, the Senior Bowl or East-West Shrine game, uh, whatever games these guys would have played in, that Chin was ranked tenth, meaning that I have him as about a fourth round pick um, uh, at this moment. So, you, what he did at the con- obviously he played in lower competition, but what Chin did to shoot up forty, to, you know, to forty, you know, to pick forty or pick fifty. I don't know that you can do that in a month. So, and I do believe that Bean is pretty level headed when it comes to his initials. So I'm going to go with these guys, the SIS guys and say that he's more of the 10th safety than me um, and less of the third or fourth safety um, less of a top 50 pick. So to me, I think you're buying on all hype. Um, The scouting report proves that Um, the competition level proves that. And that's once again, not to say that lower competition, I I work for UB. it's not to say that lower Mm -hmm. competition guys can't end up becoming good. Um, but, uh, the Mac is, is certainly a lot better than division two. Um, and I've watched a lot of, of, of Mac football players dominate. <laughs> um, yeah, that doesn't mean a Mac's max,
1: one of them. And among, among, and he Mack, converted, I mean, right, right. And he, yeah. So I definitely, another thing too, you know, I, I did a few mock drafts and, and shout out to the draft com, Joe Marino. Um, yep. they get a yep. great site, you know, they, yep. they do a phenomenal job. Um, I sure. did a few mock drafts on that site and they and, like him they they like him and and there's different rankings though which is which is what i like you know marino's might be higher and i'm just paraphrasing here but marino's right. might be higher than the next guy and one guy had Duggar in like the 80s and then another guy had dugger in like the 50s and my only conclusion with that is if he's that polarizing of a prospect i don't want him i don't want i don't want a guy that's that polarizing that the opinions are one way or the other way at 54th overall if I'm sitting there waiting a day plus for the bills to pick and let's just say they wait and they don't trade up for anybody and they pick 54th the most pressing need on this team is is not a safety or, or a, a big nickel you know corner it, it's just it's just not um I, I agree with you 100 percent and to kind of play devil's advocate I, I think there's a lot of teams out there that do a lot of things exotically that you know, insiders in Buffalo wish that we did. Just because they wish for it doesn't mean that it's the right thing to do. And I I wanna see this offense just be completely rounded out, leave no stone unturned, and at the end of the day, do what's best for the franchise. And what's best for the franchise is building around Josh Allen.
0: Yeah. I mean I you want to be successful, it's going to be built around uh, Josh Allen. So I think that was a really, really, really good offensive weapon segment. I think we made our cases and kind of discussed the safety position and to kind of wrap this all up. If a big safety names like a grant Delpit, um, Xavier McKinney, et cetera, are there in the second round? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm all for adding really right. good, talented top 40 safeties that can play more than just big nickel. I've, I've heard a lot of people are like, yeah, yeah. Chin can, Chin can not only play big nickel, he's going to transition for Micah Hyde. And I'm like, so now so now he's going to be able to successfully play big nickel and he's going to be able to transition to Micah Hyde when he's up in two years. So you're going uh, to, okay, like he's going top 15. Um, right. You're the only person that knows that he's going to be able to play big nickel. He's going to be worth the project 54. And then now he's going to be able to take over for Micah Hyde. Like, I, I, no, um, I, I, don't, I don't buy it, Ryan. But uh, I do think that there's some pure safety <laughs> prospects and a guy that can come in and be, uh, immediate, you know, if that's the need, if that's really, you really want to take an insurance policy out at the safety position and that's the number one need and you take a really talented player, it's not a good safety class. Um, then fine, go ahead and, and take, you know, an Antoine Winfield jr. If that's really what you think this team needs. Um, but I'd prefer to not have a, a project big nickel when in, in, in a position that you don't necessarily need. Um, and, and to me, I don't know that can transition to be Micah Hyde um, when you lose Micah Hyde. So, that'll wrap up the safety group for me. I'm sure we'll touch on it a little bit on Friday when we're sitting there staring at the board and we see both of their names still on it as potential picks. We will break down safety a little bit more, but want to touch on a last segment on the day. And that's the PSE article that came out on the athletic. And then we're getting into a few questions. Um, So we'll make this kind of quick. Sure. Um, So basically the article came out and stated that, you know, they're a toxic organization. You know, the, the PSE has, you know, really relocated a lot of top level executives um, you know, they obviously let a lot of people go in their hospitality network hospitality chain as well as um you know fired a lot of different people throughout their their business endeavors. They hired some people into their into their ventures that were either former friends or former family, um Jesse Pagula's um uh fiance, for instance, um, or other friends of the family. Now, f- first of all, nepotism sucks. But but To start off with, what organization in this world, um, or or at least the United States of America, doesn't say I had some bad executives, some guys that were not good people and or not good at their jobs, had to let them go. Okay, our team's losing forty to sixty million, and that's the Buffalo Sabers. Have to make some changes. You're losing eight figures. Okay, okay, Mm -hmm. easy enough, Ryan. Though, what do you do when when someone sucks, or you had someone in your organization or team or 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 something in general that wasn't good at their job, you might put in someone in power that you trust, right? There's nothing more than that than saying, I need to be able to trust this person. I gave way too much autonomy to the last set of executives. I need to be able to, to put someone in power that I know what they're doing, that I can trust that our interests are in mind and their own personal self interests are in mind. I think that that's a pretty easy to understand and grasp thing. Now, laying off people in the middle of a pandemic is not fun. Um, it's not good, um, I think people want jobs. However, no one's open. There's nothing you can do. They can collect more money on unemployment being let go. Okay. They make an extra $500 on top of whatever salary that they're, that they're deemed um, to be able to earn via unemployment. They also can qualify for New York state health benefits through Medicaid or through other means. It is not heartless. It is not a bad business move. They can make more money. Now what's going to happen post pandemic, what they hire all these stadium workers back I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, but a lot of them are employed by Jeremy Jacobs in Delaware North. Okay. So right. that's, that's, that's another point. Like the Which hospitality. A company. Yeah.
1: Right. Great company. Yeah. They, uh, they did the same thing. You, yeah, Right. Yeah. And I'll let you continue. <laughs>
0: so yeah. No, no, that's a good point though. They are, they are a good company, but they had to do the same thing. Right. They had to let go a lot of people and make changes in their organization. They're employed. The game day staff and food prep people are employed by Delaware North. Okay. So, so right there, you lose credibility with me. If you're going to tell me that Pagula fired their stadium staff, sure. They contract through Delaware North. Okay. They did let go a lot of their, their hospitality staff in terms of their hotels and some of their other networks, like 716, et cetera. Um, they're making more money. I've spoken with people that are like, yeah, at first it was a shock and I was upset, but like, now that I know like I'm collecting more money weekly than I would have, Mm -hmm. like, I'm okay. And I'm interested to see what happens in the fall. Okay. And I think that that's fair. Um, but to be mad at rich people because a, either they're rich or B because they made one comment that they're going to stop the, the production of their yacht. Like, first of all, you know, train wreck took a little bit of heat for, for being pro Buffalo or being pro, um, the Pugulas. I don't get paid anything by them. I have, I'm not on their retainer. I don't do anything that makes me do anything but have my own personal opinions. So someone telling me I should be mad at the Bagulas is, is very like the most hypocritical thing in the world. You're telling me that I'm so positive that I can't see the other side, but you're so negative that you can't understand that like you're doing what, what you're saying I'm doing. Right. right? Yeah, it,
1: it, the whole thing is is very for lack of a better term, oh, I'm going to say it. For the lack of a better term, it's kind of pathetic in a lot of ways that fans in this area, and I love the Bills fans. I love the Sabres fans. Without them, these teams would cease to exist. Um, without the fan interest every year during the drought, without there wouldn't have been that fight to keep the team alive, to keep right. the Bills going. There wouldn't have been that fight for Tom Golisano to come out of pocket and buy the Buffalo Sabres. There wouldn't have been that fight for Terry Pagula to buy the Sabres for far more than what they were worth and the Buffalo Bills for far more than what they were worth without that fight but when you mix your takes not you but the fans i'm speaking to right when sports fans mix their takes with what they don't like about the competitiveness of the bills and the sabers right. and mix it with the livelihood of the pagula sports and entertainment staff and pretend as if they actually for the lack of a better term pretend as if they actually care it's not that they care about these people. It's that they're frustrated that the sports product is not what they want it to be. And to me, I think it's almost like shooting yourself in the foot. Without talking about without Terry Pagula and, and Kim Pagula, we wouldn't even be on the show. We wouldn't even be watching Bills games every week. They'd be playing somewhere else. The Sabers would be playing somewhere else. And I know that that's a very simple take but it is the only take that there really is because of the fact that these, that this family decided, Hey, we're not just going to buy the Buffalo bills. We're not just going to buy the Buffalo Sabers and and buy the bills. We're going to invest in this area and downtown over the last seven to 10 years has been completely reinvigorated. The look of it is completely the opposite of what it was. I have that painted clearly in my mind. I graduated uh, from high school in 2010. I went down to the Sabres draft party in June of 2010. Uh, they took Mark, uh, Pesek, I I think I pronounced his last name, right. Um, in that draft. And I remember it was nothing down there. There was no businesses. There was nothing, you know, new, no river works, nothing, nothing to, to be seen. It's outside of the arena. And I remember leaving thinking, hopefully this changes. Hopefully in the next 10 years, we start to see some changes, and we have seen some changes. It's a very tough time for everybody, from the highest of the highs, whether you're as wealthy as Terry Pagula, or whether you're just the average, the average guy. It is an extremely tough time. I understand why these articles are written and, and, and why they're put out there. They're to provide an alternate view of something that is, I sure. think, essentially split right down the middle, 50% love the Pagoulas, 50% are really fed up with the Pagoulas. I am on the left side of it saying that I understand the situation uh, as as a business-minded person, right. that it is just not feasible for any business to continue on as if business is normal. This is an unprecedented time, and to poke and prod at people uh, just due to the, the, the net worth that they have, I feel like it's a little, ch- it's, it's just, it doesn't come off well. And I didn't read this article. I haven't read it fully yet. I heard it was very long and, and pretty precise with a lot of interviews from a lot of different people. But I'm sure these people have reasons to be upset and yeah, they sure they do. have the right to be upset. Um, but at the same time, what makes that different from the average person that got laid off from their job? Nothing. The only difference is the owner is more well-known and, and the that's, that's the difference. Right. And the right. Sabers suck. and the savers are really bad. And, yep. and, but that's the thing that's, that goes kind of into my point. People are so frustrated that the savers have been terrible that when moves like this are made, they use that as motivation to have the, the anti Pagula take. And and that is where it's no, that's just not right. It, 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 it does not come off as caring. Nobody comes off as if they're caring about these people that were laid off from their jobs by attacking the Pagoulas. Yep. And that's not a pro-Pagoula take. That's that's a pro-people take. That's a pro... I actually do feel bad for these people that were laid off from their jobs. I feel bad for anyone that was laid off from their job. Um, unfortunately...
0: I feel bad for the hospital workers that in, in areas like... Uh, we can, I, can, I can preface Monroe County and Rochester because I know it inside and out um, that right. like, make less money because their hospitals are 70% full compared to 100% full because no elective surgeries. Mm-hmm. Yes, I feel bad for anyone um, right now right. that is making less money. The difference is you can, you can complain, but at the same time, I know you're collecting unemployment and I know you're making more money than if you, if, if you were working. So like, I'm glad that that's in existence through July. And Pagula's already mm-hmm. came out and said that if these games are canceled and these workers aren't working, they're also at some point going to make their money on that. Don't pay them now because it delays their unemployment. It's very mm-hmm. common sense because I know many right. people in payroll. I know many people who work in benefits um, that I've spoken with about this. And they're like, well, if you get a payout or a severance, you are unqualified for unemployment because you got paid out. Um, until that money runs out, and then you can go ahead and register. Why not collect unemployment, and then when you unemployment's out, then you get the back end of your money that the Puglos are then going to pay out. It's very common sense. I understand the hockey team sucks. I understand that a lot of people didn't like that I said that they saved the Sabres. No Bills fans came into my mentions to tell me how I was wrong because they know it was true that they saved him from potentially Trump could have moved him. Um, you know, Trump's, anyone, who, who knows? Anyone. anyone, anyone or, the, or more importantly, yeah. Rogers Media was going to move them. Right, um, right. Um, those are the two with beds.
1: Big enough track, and that's what people don't really understand. You know, I, I've I've gone back into the YouTube archives and watched those things. I remember they did the Rogers Center press conference with Ralph Wilson and the and the sure. Rogers and, and and all that stuff. And Ralph Wilson said, "I'm not here to speculate." Ralph Wilson knew that the end was near. He was he was an elderly man, and he sure. knew that you know the the bills were on the outside looking in. And he was trying to just test the waters, see what the Toronto market could bring for the city of Buffalo and, and try to, you know, maybe form a little bit of a new fan-based marriage. And it was unsuccessful, which ultimately I feel is the reason that Toronto does not have an NFL team to this very day. Uh, so all that aside, these fans are putting these takes out on Twitter, attacking the Pagulas, the Sabres being terrible, the Bills not making the playoffs for 17 years has nothing to do with the coronavirus, has nothing to do with the fact that these people were laid off from their jobs. And, and for anyone to try to insinuate that or try to... Well, they, you know, correlate, it, the Ryan. Tapes, they correlate, correlate it, right? They correlate it
0: because because there were some moves in the executive level anyways, that they were gonna happen anyways. Are we really are we upset about executive moves? I don't think that anyone's upset that they moved on some some bad executives who are helping them run the saber. Is anyone <laughs> mad about that side of it? I think oh. you are just trying to correlate the other side of it, which is the side you just really? mentioned about this. Now, I like the owners of my team. You can you can I, I posted that they they basically are 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 the reason for Canal Side. Now, did they spend them? Did they literally build Canal Side? No, it was not them. Mm-hmm. Does that happen without the Sabres, without the Pagula's investment into Buffalo? It absolutely doesn't because it got shut down prior. Um, right. The idea has been there. It wasn't like it came in and it was this great idea. It was shut idea. down
1: for, for many years, Correct. if my memory serves me right. So, yeah, I mean, and, and the, the interest that they had in this town. And, I mean, I've been in, you know, circles in Buffalo and, and the positivity that, that is right. in Buffalo right now has never been there. Um, you know, in terms of just day, day, you know, daily businesses, um, small businesses are are booming in Buffalo and doing really well. And I definitely, I I love the owners of my team as well, whether it's the bills or Sabres. I know the Sabres sports business wise has not gone the way that I would like for it to or for you or for, yeah, they're, they're really bad. But at the same time, we, we're very, very razor thin close to never talking about this Buffalo Sabres again, multiple right. times. And I think that needs to be put in perspective for people. For whatever reason, it has to be reminded to Buffalo sports fans. And I know it's a, oh, the Pagoulas saved the day. You know, they have the money to save. It. Well, they did. That shouldn't be discounted. That shouldn't right. be tossed aside. Well, a lot of people
0: say it was the Golisano, it was Galasano who saved the day, and he did. And he did as well. Right um he saved the day it's not they're not mutually exclusive like right you can, right. You can have both um I, a lot of people point to you know the, the phoenix and say you know like look the coyotes still exist uh if, the, if they wanted to move a team they would i'm in my head saying well maybe but i think the uh, an organization that you know there's quebec you know there's quebec still there's hartford there's a lot of areas the sabers could have gone and this isn't a sabers podcast but a lot of people if if anything were angry the fact that you know the pagula's no one wants to give them credit for quote unquote saving um, the Sabres. Sure. We don't a hundred percent know what would have happened. Um, but you know, you want to be naive enough to to blame something else for, for what happened to these during these layoffs because that hockey team suck. And because the general manager of the team sucks. Um, I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry that, that you're upset by this, but um, you know, this is the same organization that prior didn't know how to sign Drury or Brier. So like, we can't right. sit here and break down like, get mad at people for for hockey decisions or or because they had to make hard decisions now which will hopefully help these people in the future in terms of um you know le- losing jobs and and getting back and, and and i i will reevaluate everything once next year happens and the next saber season starts and the bill season have, has been completed and i'll see how this all plays out um and you know we're all pivotal to change our opinions on stuff but at this point right it's an awful article. It came across very, 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 very close as Gotcha reporting, um, as you know, a smear. You know, borderline smear campaign by throwing a couple of one buffalo quotes at the end doesn't change the fact that this article was written in the guise of that this is a toxic environment and it was written in the guise that this, the the Pagulas care more about the yacht that they had to stop making than they do people. It's an awful it's, stretch.
1: Yes. I think it's toxic um, to what is actually the goals of both the bills and the Sabres, whether the Sabres are achieving those goals, the bills are achieving those goals. Right. Uh, And I think it's, it's a snake in the grass article from everything I've heard. And I will preface my statement, add on to my statement by saying that I have not read the article and I will add to my statement and saying, I probably won't, I probably won't read the article um, because it just, I, I just feel like, this is the last, the last thing that Buffalo really needs right now for any small city to go through the ups and downs that Buffalo has. To have somewhat of a reason to be optimistic in the Buffalo Bills as a sports organization for once in my 27 years of life is, is pretty uh, remarkable. The Sabres, I know people are tired of hearing this, but at some point that will be better than it is now. Right. Uh, how much better? I don't know. But at some point, it will be better. Teams okay. go through these flows, these ebbs and flows. Patriots were great for 20 years. They're not going to be that great you know. after these 20 years, I don't think. Maybe the Bills can take that spot. Eventually, the Bruins will suck and hopefully the Sabres can take their spot.
0: Exactly. <laughs> and I mean, if you interview 30, a lot of ex-employees and a few current employees and get the information you want out of them, I mean, Verizon, Spectrum, I don't care what company it paychecks. I don't care what company it is. Uh, Delaware North, um, you know, MNT, whatever. You're going to get the answers you're looking for, Ryan. Um, Mm -hmm. You you let some people that let go that think they should still be making six figures. They're going to give you the answers you're looking for because they're a little bit upset. They lost their jobs, but that doesn't mean that there's anything abnormal going on. Um, Right. It's, that's, I guess, the best thing I can do to wrap it up. Interview 39 people that a lot of ex-employees and looking for the right answers. I didn't see any um, one answer that, that wasn't what they were looking for. It was really written in one specific guise. Um, mm-hmm. Do want to get to questions, though, here before we wrap up sure, the show. Sure, yeah. Of um, course. One question that I got asked um, via our Twitter page, and this is from Jim Henry. Jim Henry, excuse me. He asked, not specifically a draft question, but in regards to the PSE, so the topic we were just talking about, should we be worried about McBean being here long-term if things get worse? Is Allen's performance this? year part of the equation. It's a good segue back into sports. Um, no, I mean, they're they don't like, I guess the team could be bad. And once again, this would go back to a sports specific thing. If the bills suck, sure, McBean should start to worry. Um, if they're bad for two or three straight years, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's football. Um, they they should. And if Josh Allen comes in this year, and I'm a Josh Allen supporter and is really bad, um, really bad at football, yeah, like they spent a lot to have him and. Didn't, haven't at this point at least hedged their bat with another quarterback or go, gone the Camp Newton way like we've talked about on this show um, or other things. Um, yeah, they're in trouble. If Allen's not very good next year and the team goes 8-8 eight and eight and then 7-9 and nine the next year, uh, yeah, of course. But I don't think specifically because an article came out because um, they, they, they moved around some Sabres executives and some, some PSE executives, I should say. Um, and the mm-hmm. Sabers suck. Um, and there, there's a couple articles written about them because they, they, they didn't necessarily the optics of the way that they handled the pandemic wasn't great. I don't necessarily think that there should, should be any worry unless a the, the Pagulas move on, which I don't see happening, or b um, the football team suck. So is that kind of where you stand, right.
1: or um, a little bit, yeah? And I, I to kind of you know echo your sentiments, but add my own spin on it. You know what company has. "Quote unquote," handled this thing the right way. There is no right way. This is not an ideal uh, time. This is an unprecedented time. I've said it so many times. I hate to sound cliche. We've never experienced anything like this. My grandmother is 84 years old. She just turned 84 on the 19th um, of, of April. This, this a couple of days ago, and she's never experienced anything like this. My parents have never experienced anything like this. Of course, I haven't experienced anything like this yep. as far as the current state of, of the world. Uh, and as far as going back to the question, McBean and the Pagoulas, um, Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean, and the Pagulas are, are locked tight. They are firing on all cylinders. And in my opinion, based on the success that, this, that the Bills have had, drafting solid players, bringing them into the organization, building a culture... Rebranding the Bills, what the Bills actually means, trusting the process—all those things—that um, is what Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean, as well as the Pagulas have done. And I feel like that also gets lost on fans as well. The Pagulas are just a big, just as big a part of that as as um, McDermott and, and Bean are. And I feel like these next few years, these next two years specifically, the Bills got to keep their eyes on the prize. The AFC East is there for the taking, and I, articles like these really distract everyone from what the actual common goal is. The goal is for the Bills to one day hoist the Lombardi trophy. The goal is for the Sabres to one day hoist the Stanley Cup. Um, are the Bills closer to that than, than the Sabres as far as hoisting the, the Super Bowl trophy than the Stanley Cup? I would say so. But at the same time, this one article should not deviate from, from what the plan is, and that is to eventually win a championship. And, both sports
0: all right no completely uh i see see that all right um kind of taking a couple final questions here as we um kind of get to it and ryan and i once again will reconvene um for our friday show and um coming up shortly after a couple more episodes we will probably bring on some of your favorite guests as well so you did want to sure. um did want to shout that out uh, make sure We'll have some, some big key names on here so everyone can can enjoy their takes as well, not just myself or Ryan. Um, okay. Did Drew Bledsoe trade tr- set them back? Um, I think it's we're so far removed from that that I think at the time, um, it, it probably did set them back for sure. I thought they had a really good half of a year of football and that's all they got out of them. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think, Ryan, it's, it's easy to say that that set them back, but... And we're so far beyond that now. And so any yeah. bad decisions that were made. Lost men. Um,
1: and you know, it, that's a really funny one because did the did the Bledsoe trade set them back? I mean, they traded for Drew Bledsoe. They needed a quarterback, and my memory serves me right. He was phenomenal that first season. What oh. Really set them back was letting Peerless Price, you know, basically trading away Peerless Price to Atlanta. Replacing him with Bobby Shaw and eventually Lee Evans, and then the offensive line slowly but surely was picked apart. Um, and Drew Bledsoe got older and slower. What really set them back more than anything was 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 that and trading essentially two first round picks for J.P. Losman when they couldn't get Big Ben Roethlisberger or or Philip Rivers or Eli yeah, Manning. They so thought they had Roethlisberger. I
0: yeah, <laughs> I right. thought they had Roethlisberger in that draft um so yeah I mean I think that it did set them back um you know it wasn't a fantastic year um to do that I thought they only got like you mentioned a half of a year to one year out of them um the mm-hmm. year that they traded that pick away there wasn't any good quarterbacks I think it was a Rex Grossman uh By- Byron Leftwich Carson Palmer year um so it's not like in Carson went one so it's not like they um really missed yeah, out left on which anything went pretty
1: high too right Leftwich went
0: was it yeah. the top 10? Yeah, yep. top 10 yep. at least. Yep. He, went, he went really yep. high. Then the following year, when they were already back in the market for a quarterback, yeah, like you mentioned, they were um, in 2004, they were sitting there waiting to make a move. And the two first-round picks for J.P. Lossman, I think, hurt that team draft day more than anything.
1: Yeah, because um, they, they got Bledsoe in 0-2. And then the next year, they traded – or they, the next year, they uh, –
0: they got three pre- they,
1: they got yeah. uh, 2003 they got Willis McGahee Correct. um yep. so from the peerless yeah, price so, trade from the prelis price trade yeah yep. so yeah i mean that is fun to look back on but you know i i've, I've mm-hmm. always liked Drew Bledsoe i actually got to meet him at a at a public event at Batavia Downs it was it was pretty cool that was a guy that i really admired even when he was in new england i, I just loved the way he played and it's one of yep. the best pure passers of, of his generation so
0: yeah, and the and to couple that, the 2002 draft was just as bad as the 2003, if not worse. It had David Carr, Joey Harrington went top three, Patrick right. Ramsey went 32 overall. Um, so these are the names that the Bills could have been interested in. Um, and Josh McCown ended up going. How oh, late did he go? Went 81st to the to the Cardinals, still in the league. Um, yeah,
1: and Matt Schaub was the next quarterback that was picked after Lossman, if my memory serves me right. So it's not like. Not like they had a lot of options, you know, it, and they let the team kind of fall apart as right. the years went on with Bledsoe. So can't really blame Bledsoe for that, but more so the management. Didn't have the right head coach. Didn't the have same shot year, though, that they took,
0: then. you know, too, the year that they got in Bledsoe, they, they did take Mike Williams, which was an awful pick. Oh, so.
1: yeah, that was one of the worst picks they've ever <laughs> so made. So Lossman,
0: <laughs> Lossman double set them back way more than Bledsoe to me because then the following year they had a perfect opportunity to what have been able to take Aaron Rodgers. Um, right. Yeah, it could have been yeah, that's what franchise I would say, altering. I, yep. Franchise when every, altering when
1: everyone brings up Drew Bledsoe, it's like dude, Who it cares? Drew Bledsoe's fault they
0: drafted JP Lossman. <laughs> but, yeah, a couple of years later. Yep. Yeah. 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 So. so yeah, so that's I'm gonna blame Lossman way more than I'll ever blame Bledsoe, even though he was he wasn't great. Um No,
1: it wasn't great. He was fair, okay. Right. Like, yeah, he wasn't great. His best um, years were probably behind him.
0: Would you take Jalen Hurts in the second from Kelvin? Um, no, no, I wouldn't. Even though (laughs) I'm not a hundred percent against it, as you know, my disdain for not necessarily the players, but the big safety position, a big nickel position. So, um, no, I don't, I only, because I don't think he's worth a second round pick, but if there's a named quarterback there and either him or, or chin, I don't know. Like it's not something I want to do, but, uh. Um,
1: that's a tough one you could yeah, convince me into
0: a really good backup quarterback you can develop and have in emergency situations because um the quarterback <laughs> is expiring on his contract this year your second quarterback is expiring on his contract this year um you could convince me that about 54 is the range where it should start to be interesting it's probably more of a day three pick for the bills this year but um You know, I don't know who they necessarily like, but if Love Falls or Jake Fromm or, you know, I don't necessarily know. These are guesses who would be the top of their list. But uh, those names specifically are are, are, are second-round picks. Mm -hmm. Jacob Eason could be first or second-round pick. Um, So I'm I'm not hating on quarterback. I think it's a potential at some point earlier than people think, whether earlier is the third round or a fourth round, maybe. Second, I, I can't get my head around Jalen Hurts in the second, but Jalen Hurts in the third starts to become more interesting to me, Ryan. Where do Where do you stand?
1: I definitely feel as if one of the unsung uh, needs of this team is a QB two, and, yep. and it's nothing against Matt Barkley, but I we talked about it before, where I just run through the scenario in my head of Josh Allen getting hurt. God forbid! Yep. God forbid he gets hurt.
0: Like Carson, Carson Wentz four, every year for
1: four weeks. Yeah, like <laughs> Carson Wentz, right? if he gets hurt for four weeks and, and, uh, Matt Barkley comes in, I can't even trust him to win us two games. I, I can't, I, 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 I'm sorry, you know, towards Matt Barkley, am no disrespect, but there's a huge drop off in talent level between Allen and, and Barkley. There just is. Sure. And I know that the fact that he did come in against the Patriots when Allen had that head to head hit, um, John Jones, um, And then there was the game where he came in, you know, late in the season against the Jets. He's playing with a bunch of third stringers and it's not really a great case to make for himself anyway, but I just feel like there's better options out there. Jalen hurts. I do find that interesting uh, because he is kind of Cam Newton esque in terms of his mobility and his his arm and what he can do and stuff like that. I'd say he's like a Cam Newton light. Where, you know, Brandon Bean and, and McDermott are familiar with Cam Newton. So now, I, I would really love it somehow, just throwing this out there, if Buffalo was able to bring in an Andy Dalton. I know his cap number is really high. It would be pretty sure. tough to do that. But if they could somehow bring him in and, and make something happen to get him, I wouldn't mind paying it back up a little bit more uh, than normal based on the fact that we still are in Josh Allen's rookie deal. I feel like if Allen were to get hurt and Andy Dalton were to come in, yep. um, that wouldn't really be missing a much of a beat.
0: And QB2 at uh, Brian, just, just so our listeners know, gonna talk about QB2 on Friday. Definitely wanna get into it as more of a more of a topic. And we'll get into some of the more of those names I just brought up and some stuff you've talked about. We'll get into mm-hmm. that on, on on our Friday show because it's relevant. And I think it'll be relevant through day three, um, if not late in day two, whether it's in the third round, you know, or to start day three at the fourth round. I do think quarterback could come up come up with this because there isn't a ton of other needs. Another question, um, who is the current third safety siren Neal? do they need to upgrade um if they plan on playing a big nickel or someone to match up on tight ends without taking away Hyde or jp or employer that's from steve uh we talked about this a lot in the show um but yeah i mean they're big nickel currently if they want to play it as siren Neal, yes he's not a safety he's a corner Big nickel player. Um, and then Martin Dean Marlowe, who they re signed. And then their safety position, really, Jaquan Johnson's their third safety right now. And, you know, Dean Marlowe also kind of moonlights on safety as well as Big Nickel. Um, sure, there's room to upgrade there, but is there room to upgrade and get playing time? Don't see it. It's a different position. We kind of talked about it a lot. I don't know that you can get your Big Nickel and your safe. They've tried a little bit with Marlowe, and he's been a special teamer and he's been okay but not great um, don't think you can bring in a player to think you're going to A, be big nickel and then B, replace either player or Hyde when their deals are up. I still think that Hyde doesn't leave this organization unless he takes a drastic drop off in play which I don't anticipate happening. I see him pseudo retiring here um, but those two players have been staples of this McDermott defense. I don't see either of them letting, getting let go kind of like Lorenzo until they're either done or they make their way fell off so at this point, I see both of them playing beyond even their extensions. Um, I see them here three or four more years. So I don't think we need to worry about replacing our safety um, at this point in 2020, 2022. Sure, we can, we can talk about, yeah, hey, we need a succession plan. Um, but I don't necessarily think that. We kind of talk about safety a lot, Ryan, already. Right, um, right.
1: Yeah, we do have a safety a lot. And I think, you know, being that they've invested in safety, in Jordan Poyer on a two year deal. So he's gonna be here for this year and then two years after that. Yeah, three. Memory yep. serves me right for three years. And then yep. Micah Hyde has just been two more. I years. mean, that was really that was really the first move that they made in the McDermott era that was really like, wow. That was that was the one that I really caught my attention. I remember that offseason specifically saying that that was my favorite move that they made. I uh, really liked him in Green Bay and I thought he hadn't even scratched the surface yet of his potential. And I liked him as kind of the quarterback safety within that McDermott secondary. He's pretty reliant on the secondary in his defense, dating back to his time as a secondary coach with Philadelphia. So just really liked the fit there. And I think that they're only going to get better at that position. They don't really have to go at 54, as we talked about at safety. I think that they'll find some developmental guys and, and plug them in and, and figure that out.
0: Yep. 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 That's agreement. And we'll take, Okay, i got a couple here but i guess we're, we're wrapping up here i'll take one um one final question i got here um i like the idea of team Muse later on to pair with tj and address bigger needs contributions in the early rounds uh we are in a way now a uh, win mode um so yeah tanner muse a uh, guy that um mm-hmm. that that he really likes i i see credence in that kind of we've kind of this has been a safety driven show, but uh, to, right, right. to kind of uh, basically the point of this tweet is to say that, yeah, like there's bigger needs on this roster. Let's, let's take more of a developmental guy uh, later on in the draft. Is that kind of how you stand? And I guess I'd like to wrap it up with that kind of, is, is that kind of how you yeah, see Yeah,
1: that's, that's where I see it. I mean, if, if they could get someone like that as a developmental guy to, to kind of groom over the next couple of years, under Poirier and, and Hyde, I, I wouldn't mm. mind that at all. And I mean, Tanner Muse is one of those dudes that obviously he comes from a greatly successful program in, in Clemson yep. and yep. He's, he's a very smart player. Um, yep. Really smart player, actually. Mm-hmm. Like watching his tape, I, I found a lot of instinctive plays, a lot of, well, he's supposed to be here, but he ended up here and he yep. saved plays for Clemson. So Devil Sweeney speaks really highly of him. Um, so I wouldn't mind that, you know, if they used a mid-round pick on Tanner Muse, and you know, it would it would be you know headed into the DB University of McDermott's defense. I mean, they they plug and played Josh Norman. And, <laughs> I love it. and yeah. Trey White, you know. Uh-huh. So
0: <laughs> I I love that idea way more. That's a good that's a good idea. Um, big yeah. big fan of that idea, Christopher. Yeah, that's 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 definitely the I think the mindset I'm on that. I think that's about the range we're looking for a competitor to Jaquan Johnson, maybe someone that could do something different, really competitive guy that's won some football games um, that can come in and play. I mean, I, I like that. And I, as much as I like anything, and then he's probably a six round pick. Like, I don't think you need to do anything crazy there. Um, No, no.
1: And there's a lot of reason to even look at that as a six round pick right out of the gate and say, wow, they got that guy, that guy that, you know, he he played big and big, big games, big moments and big games. That's, That means something to me. It definitely does in terms of drafting him over a a small school guy. That that does mean something, you know, playing against the top-level competition, but playing big, you know, big moments. um, That's what he did.
0: Great. Yeah, no, and a lot of these topics and more we're going to get into on our next show. Really long, action-packed show, but uh, I kind of tied up uh, a little bit last week's show into it. Um, as well as I'm uh, going to have a lot of topics to go over on Friday. We'll see if what happens with that show, but there's going to be plenty of talk about. We've already said QB two. Um, we'll really start talking about who's left on the board. Maybe Ryan and I will, will go off our favorites list. Maybe some shockers um, with the divisions right. doing um, Ryan, as of today, Wednesday um, about 24 hours until the, the day one, one pick real quick. Don't have to go long. Who are you taking at 54 for the bills right now today?
1: 54 today. I'm taking my boy Chase Claypool out of the Chase University of Notre Dame. Okay. Yeah, the, the Fighting Irish wide receiver, six foot four, 230 pounds. He's physical. He's smart. Uh, really bright guy. Very fun personality too. He would kind of fit in real well with some of the personalities that this Bills team has. We've seen that kind of blossom over the last couple of years with guys sure. like Trey Wade on the defensive side of the ball. But, um, yeah, I, I really. Would love that. Um, I've watched him the last few years on Saturdays watching Fighting Irish football, and he's just such a smart route runner. He's got great separation. You can go up and get one right. The size. Um, I, I would just love it if they were able to get a guy like that and, and uh, bring him in at 54.
0: Sounds good. And uh, mine would be Jonathan Taylor, as I've talked about many times. If he's gone, it'd be J.K. Dobbins. Um, but I'm I'm really sticking with the the top running backs in this class to come in and get an immediate weapon, have a great plan. If something happens to Singletary, and um, be a guy that can really be developed as 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 a two headed machine. Um, so that's that's kind of where I'm thinking. But we'll see what happens as we get back to the cap on Friday, presented by Trainwreck Sports and Picasso's Pizza. Go out there and get the pizza for the draft day. Eat some Picassos, tweet it at us, enjoy the draft. Save some for Friday because that's the Bills' big day. And don't necessarily sleep on the Bills sneaking around in the top of that second if some of these names that we've talked about are there um, to make a move in the early. Bean's going to sit there and be studying this board, so watch out for a potential trade-up like they did for Zay Jones um, at some point in the early second, and probably not, but never discount the late late couple picks of the first, Ryan. So, right. From the cap, I'm Kevin and that's Ryan.